You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twang. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey, it's your boy, Mr. 110 himself, Tragic, with Souls Entertainment. But today you can call me Mr. Intro. And when I'm not in the studio recording music, I'm listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories with Jerry and Tracy. Make sure after the podcast you check out some of my music at ReverbNation.com backslash Mr. 110. That's M-R-O-N-E and the number 10. And like the Souls Entertainment page on Facebook. But for now, sit back and listen to two of my favorite people do their thing. Let's go. of history like the African side, yeah. Sent a mass and sent John and sent dry. Nothing can come between us but the waters that divide, yeah. Even though we're just a few square miles, I travel around the world with Virgin Island pride, yeah. A lot of people still going through strife, and still we live a joyful life. That's why the place nice, so nice, so nice. Sweet, sweet sent a mass nice, so Hi, welcome everybody to episode 57. I am Jerry. And I'm Tracy. What we want to start off with, uh, the music, typically we want to put the music to where it matches one of the stories. We didn't do that this time. The music you actually heard was from a, uh, a artist from the Virgin Islands by the name of Pressure. And he was actually just starting to uh, get his legs and starting to become a pretty well-known uh, at the time we were living there about three years ago. And that song was really popular, had just came out while we were over there, so we heard it all the time, and as you can probably admit, it's really addictive. It is. You can't get it out of your head, for sure. (laughs) And we wanted to play that because we still have a lot of friends over in the Virgin Islands, and uh, they took quite a hit, uh, especially right where we lived in St. Thomas uh, from Hurricane Irma, and we just thought it'd be kind of nice for uh, our friends over there just to play a little something uh, for them. Yeah, you guys hold on. Everything will be back to its beautiful self. So obviously we want to go ahead and and give a big shout out to our military and our civil servants, uh, no matter where you're on the world, but especially a big shout out for those of you uh, that are hitting where all these hurricanes are. We've already talked about the Houston situation. Uh, Florida is getting ready to get hit hard uh, today uh, from Hurricane Irma. We've got a lot of friends down that area. Of course, we uh special shout out to Denise and Diane from History Goes Bump. Yeah. They, uh, they're a little further up than, uh, than hopefully they don't get hit as hard as what, uh, the Florida Keys are, have been hit already. Yeah, we're praying for you guys. But, uh, you know, like I said, big shout out because there's a lot of people out there, uh, putting their life on the line to try to save people, uh, during these times of, of tragedy. And we just want everybody to know that we're thinking about you. And it's good to see everybody come together and help one another. And I just, you know, I hate it that it takes something devastating like this to make that happen. This should be a normal everyday thing for everybody to come together, be there for everybody and love everybody. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Let's jump into some couple of quick real shout outs, uh, for the new Patreons this week. We actually had a couple and, uh, Stephanie, if I mispronounced your name, I'm sorry, but it's Stephanie Villarreal. It looks like Barbara Pendergrast, my so-called whatever. They actually, um, that's a, a 1990s podcast and we're actually going to have a little intro from them next week. But all they talk about on their show is all things 
basically 90s. Mm-hmm. Backstreet Boys, boy, all these other boy ba- bands. They're uh, super big, apparently, into uh, New Kids on the Block, uh, which for the life of me, I can't figure out. But Nikki and, <laughs> Nikki and Brooke are really funny to listen to. So, I'm an instinct kind of girl myself. Yeah, so. no kidding. Mm. But uh, if you get a chance, take a listen to their podcast, if you're into that kind of thing. But it's called My So-Called Whatever. But uh, it's entertaining, even if you're really not into the the boy bands and stuff. They talk about all things 90s. So oh, yeah. It's a trip down. Uh, if you're 30s, mid-30s, early 40s, it's a trip down memory lane. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And then also Donna Smith. Thank you, Donna, for uh, thank you guys so much. jumping we on the, the Patreon all. bandwagon. Uh, once again, I, you know, and I keep forgetting about this. I'm sorry. We're, not, we're just not used to self-promoting ourselves. But if you want to join our Patreon where you get extra episodes every month, Five bucks a month will get you two episodes, and that is uh, on our website. So go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, and, and uh, on the donate slash Patreon page, that's where you can find us. Click, and you can join up there. Okay? iTunes reviews. I'm probably going to mispronounce this one, but it looks like Ammo Baylor. We got Southern Monkey, Saint Works Art, my so-called whatever. Once again, thank you, ladies. Rock and Fence Post. Joyous Grace, cheeseburgers are delicious. Who are, <laughs> I who love are it. you telling? Um, A O K I B I, A O K B K B. I don't know, but I love these names. And Colleen Z. And Colleen's been wanting to give this for a while. She actually gave us one, but she forgot to hit like the submit button. Oh, so she had to go back and redo. Oh, it. well, thank you guys so much. Just more friends, more friends. I love it. Yep, absolutely. We we are a hundred percent on board with the, with iTunes reviews. Like I said, it's if you guys want to donate on Patreon or just send donations to the show, we greatly appreciate that. But if you can't do that, but can give us an iTunes reviews, hey, that's just as good to absolutely. us because everything we do to helps us out. Yeah, makes us happy. With that being said, we actually uh, have some really positive things happening on the show. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Jim Harold. You've heard Jim on the show. This was a huge deal to me. It might not be a big deal to anybody else, but to me, it was a, 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 as huge a deal as it gets. But there is a show out there most of you who listen to the show are probably familiar with. It's Coast to Coast AM. They are the epitome of what a paranormal show should be. They've been out since the early 80s. And without them, there wouldn't be anything like us or some of the other shows you listen mm-hmm. to because they were the first radio show or tv show to come out and focus strictly on the unexplained paranormal ufos that type of thing and to me that's like american bandstand was to music or the ed sullivan show that's what they are to paranormal they've been around for 35 years and jim harold was actually a guest the other night on the show and he took the opportunity to bring up our show and bring up uh, an experience that that we had that I talked about on his show. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever to be on a show that we've listened to forever. Yeah. And, or at least I have since I was in high school and never in a million years would ever thought that somehow our show or myself would ever get mentioned on that. And for Jim Harold to do that was a dream come true. To, yeah. Me, it was so. so very cool. So just wanted to say big on that. Okay. We got a couple of cool stories for you guys tonight, one of which has been mentioned a whole bunch of times. As usual, I kind of put it off because it's been done a bunch. But I thought we found some cool stuff, mainly from the uh, the people that were involved, that hasn't really been listed a whole lot on some of the other podcasts. So I thought now that I've got some new information, different from what I've heard, it would be time to do it. So All we're right. going to do the Sally House, and that's what we're going to start with. I got a couple of, of things we're going to do. Obviously, um, we're going to hear a little bit more from our buddies from Hillbilly Horror Show. We got a giveaway that we're going to do. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but they're, they're going to be gracious enough to give us some stuff. And, Thank you. Uh, send it to you guys personally from them. So it's going to be cool. We'll talk about that a little later. The second story we've got tonight is the Island of Dolls. You guys have probably seen pictures of this. I know we posted a picture of it on our creepy facts, but it's an island uh, just south of Mexico City. To where it's nothing but dolls hanging in the trees everywhere. And it's got a really creepy Stop. Background. Are you serious? Yeah, it's, it's pretty damn cool. So we're going to talk about that. And then at the end of the show, we've got a little short special interview with Nick Hall. 
Oh, yay. Yeah, and uh, most of you remember Nick um, had the tragedy where he lost his daughter, Brianna. Uh, we did a little tribute to her about a month and a half ago on the show. Nick wanted to come on and um, basically express his thanks to you guys for all of your support. So we're going to have him on. So stay tuned at, uh, right after we do the Island of the Doll story to hear Nick's story. Sounds wonderful. It was so good to talk to him, too. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, so let's jump into the Sally House. I don't really want to jump into the Sally House because Sally that place is house, creepy. Sally House. Okay. The Sally House is, it's just a plain old little, I mean, 19th century home. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, there's nothing special. It's just a little frame house. I mean, it's. So just like a little bitty. Yeah. I mean, it's just your standard home that you would see anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's just a, mm-hmm. uh, basically like a starter home. Or, oh, like a starter yeah, home. Yeah. More or less. It's located at 508 North 2nd Street in Atchison, Kansas. And I have no clue where Atchison is other than either. it's in Kansas. Oh. And it's pretty, it's pretty famous now just because of this house. So they, oh, they, wow. it's, it's the number one tourism is no this house. Kidding. So yeah, they, Dang, I go. some of these places, you know, like Amityville and stuff, they just like, they don't want people coming by and looking at the house. They don't want any of that involved. Yeah. They just want to be as far away from it as they can mm-hmm. and distance themselves, but not here. Now it, it's like, you hey, know, hey, come you, on to Atchison. We got a haunted house, you know. Have yeah, you heard about it? Whatever it takes. Get that moolah. This place was originally constructed in 1867 on the land it was bought by Michael Finney. You'll hear the Finney's names a lot because they had this place for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, he and his family moved in because they wanted to start a new life, so they built this house. He had a wife, two sons, and a daughter. Michael, unfortunately, died in 1872. Oh, so, dang, that was... Yeah, it was only five years after the time that they built the house. Aww. The house remained... In, in, I guess, care of the entire family all the way up till 1947 from one family member to another. Now, there's four confirmed deaths in this house because you had Agnes Finney True. Actually, I guess she remarried, but she was Agnes Finney True, which was his original wife. She died in 1939 in the house. Michael obviously died in the house. Why? Why did he die? Do you know? I think his heart stopped. Oh, stop it. I didn't stop it. Don't blame me for it. <laughs> well, is, I mean, is that why well, he died? Yeah, do you just, know? it's just death. It's just in the 1800s. People just died. I mean, like he ages. didn't have some kind of disease or nothing like that? No, I didn't. Thanks for pointing out that I didn't do enough thorough research, apparently. But I had no oh, idea. You failed me today. Yeah. That's all right. Go ahead. But anyway, so, so Michael and Agnes, and in between, there were a, a couple other deaths. There was William True, and then there was Edward Finney. Now, like we said, Agnes died in 1939, and then Charles Finney actually lived there until he passed away in 1947. Now, after Charles died, the house was rented to several people, but none of them stayed for very long. There's not a whole lot of info on anybody that really stayed there. Um, supposedly, they were just ran off because of strange occurrences. Yeah. Now, a woman by the name of Ethel Anderson, she actually moved in there in 1958, and she stayed till the 1990s. So if there was anything going on, she tolerated it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the they one must thing have liked know. Ethel. Yeah, apparently. So after after Ethel though, she left left and Deborah Pickman and Tony Pickman actually moved in, and that's when the Sally House began to kind of get its reputation. That was 1993, at the very end of 1993. The Pickmans started to see a blonde haired girl. That was kind of the the thing that kind of kicked everything off. They had some little things, but that was the, the main thing. Mm-hmm. Now, after they did a little investigating, they learned a story about the house that supposedly had a history. And there was a reputation from out the townspeople that they had told from years the story of Sally, which is how the home got its name, obviously. Sometime, supposedly in the early 1940s, a frantic mother brought in the limp body of her little six-year-old daughter to the house. This was the house of the doctor, which was actually Charles Finney. Oh. So he was the, the town doctor at the time. His office was downstairs, and then his family he, like, lived, lived upstairs. upstairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The little girl's name was Sally, and she suffered from acute appendicitis. Oh, dang. Now, he knew that he had limited time to be able to do anything with this with this mm-hmm. surgery. So he gave her some anesthesia, but apparently it didn't he didn't wait long enough for it to take effect. Oh no. And as he started operating, 
The story says she woke up in screams and she actually died of shock and a loss of blood. Oh, poor baby. But this is how the house became known as the, the House Sally of Sally. House. Yeah. yeah. We're not the House of Sally. Oh, we're not the House of Sally. You're thinking of the House of... Uh, the Rising Sun. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was last week's show. Yeah. That's so sad. I can't even imagine that she was like not even out and he was like cutting on her. Well, I mean, so, and supposedly the, the last image of this little girl was basically a man torturing her. Oh. Because that's the way she would have taken it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she don't know any better at six anyway. Right. And that's, and that's really going to play, um, into a little bit later the fact of, of maybe her last image being a man torturing her. As we get a little deeper into the story, you'll see where this comes in a little further. But so they start noticing, um, little things happening around the house. And it was, I think, thinking that it's this little girl named Sally. They're thinking that it fits because the things that were happening were kind of what you would expect of the behavior of a little girl. It was just basically little small poltergeists, like lights that would dim a little bit, flicker. Uh, they had a dog that would actually go to the front door mm-hmm. of the nursery. It's at the front door, but it's actually the door of the nursery and would just bark and bark and bark nonstop for no reason. Um, the baby would wake up every hour as if someone was playing with it, oh, which is spooky as it, yeah. as it is. But those are the kind of things they were experiencing. So Mm -hmm. those were minor as far as they were concerned. Well, yeah, that's not really too bad. Now, one of the next door neighbors actually could see the nursery window from her place. And she told uh, uh, Deborah one day, she said, why do you keep the light on in the nursery all night long when the baby's trying to sleep? And she said, well, first of all, you nosy whore. I'm just kidding. (laughs) She didn't say that. That's what I would have said, though. But... This came as a shock to her because she always turned the light on. Yeah. So there was no reason for the light to be on, but the neighbor was noticing it on all night. So July 14th of 1993 is when the shit hit the fan. Deborah, her sister Karen, and Tony, they were all at the house together, right? And they were uh, out doing something. Well, Mm -hmm. they come home. They come upstairs to the nursery, and all the stuffed animals in the room, and there was a bunch of them, they were all... In the floor, sitting in a circle, their backs to each other. Oh. So it's like all these bears, stuffed bears and other stuffed animals, they're just sitting there. And it's kind of like you would see in an occult ritual yeah. or something like that. I know when you go back to some of these Celtic beliefs and stuff like that, that's the way when they when they find some of these bodies in some of these catacombs and stuff, that's the way they've got them laid out. Um, so that's, it was really eerie to come up and see all those stuffed animals. What they did was they decided they, they picked all the stuffed animals up. They turned the light off and they went back downstairs and they want, you know, cause they wanted to make sure nobody was playing a prank or something mm-hmm. like that. Cause it, you know, all three of them were there. One of them could have been playing a yeah. prank just to try to get the other one. So they turned everything off. They all went downstairs. All the animals were picked up. They came back up to the nursery, opened the door. The light was on. And there was a small stuffed bear that had been sitting in a chair that was laying on its back on the floor. And this happened just in the time that they went downstairs and came back up. So that scared the shit out of them. And they gathered enough stuff to where they could leave. And they all left. And they went and stayed the night at over Tony's parents' house. Mm -hmm. Just until they could kind of gather their thoughts and see what was going on. Well, Tony... Obviously, being the, the lone man of the family, he started getting the, the grunt of all these things. And when I talk about earlier about the story with, you know, maybe Sally feeling like she was tortured by oh, a man. Because of the, yeah. Yeah. So he starts noticing um, things like scratches appear. At one point in time, he just feels a pain on his back and there's mm-hmm. these three scratches that appeared right on his back. Now, at some point in time... They developed a, got, got a video crew. Now, we talked earlier about, um, the paranormal show Coast to Coast and mm-hmm. how they kind of kicked things off. Well, one of the very first, if not the first paranormal TV shows that tried to do something like this on a regular basis was Sightings. And that was in the nineties, which was actually a pretty cool show back then. I mean, I was addicted to that show because yeah, I remember the only that time show. you could, the only time you could ever see paranormal stuff was like Halloween time. They would yeah. tell some stories or show something. Well, this was a show that came on every week that, dealt with this mm-hmm. and their very first episode was on the pikmins in this house no kidding so they come up there with their video crew and they're doing stuff so some of these scratches and stuff that actually happened to tony actually they caught on camera <gasps> so you could actually see the scratches developing and stuff no like that. that's yep. not true yep it's 100 percent true 
Oh, my gosh. And don't you call me a liar on my own show. Oh, I won't. Okay. That's amazing, though, how they was just able to capture that right yeah. when it was happening. So let's let's go away from the show for a little bit. Let's just talk about the family. They've got a medium involved, and this is how they started finding stuff out. The medium claimed that she could contact Sally, and she had, like, a really good rapport with her. Sally tells her that there was another spirit in the house as well as her. The spirit was in her 30s, and she didn't like the spirit. The oh, spirit, so Sally really wasn't the one doing all that not stuff? Not according to this medium. Okay. Sally was saying that there was an older woman that was kind of mean. She didn't like her, and that was the deal. She didn't like Sally? Yeah, went vice versa. Oh. Sally didn't like her because okay. she was mean. Sally's a playful little kid, and yeah. this lady's malevolent. So October 31st, 1993, Tony was in the kitchen, and he went to grab a glass Orange juice, I believe. I don't know why that's pertinent, but I just want to be detailed hey, as possible. Well, why not? And he turns around as he wants to grab a glass, and there's this little girl. She's dressed in 1900s clothing. She's got blonde hair, pigtails. He goes and he draws a picture. He sketches a picture, which you can actually find this picture online. It's actually a pretty good drawing. He draws a picture of this little girl, and he shows it to Deborah to say, this is what I saw. Now, obviously, this starts to make sense because it's about the age of a six-year-old kid, as in the story and what the medium had already said. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time they've actually seen an apparition or anything. Now, a former resident, I'm going to zip back a little bit, a former resident said that she had lived there for basically, I think, 12 years or so, and she had a daughter who was five years old at the time, and that she said that she had an imaginary friend named... Oh, gosh. Sally. She just always assumed that it was yeah, an, imaginary an imaginary friend. friend. But she said whenever her daughter would get in trouble, she would always say, well, Sally did that. Or Sally told me to do that. And, of course, you know, she just assumes that's just a kid just trying to get out of being in trouble. Well, what I want to know is how come that apparition stood still long enough for him to draw that picture? Well, I don't think he took the picture like... <laughs> I don't think he stood there and drew it while he was looking at her and telling her, quit blinking and stuff like that. He drew it from memory. Oh. I love you, though. Well, I mean, heck. <laughs> Back in the day, selfies took a little longer, that's all. <laughs> so You hate me. So 11 years, 11 years after this woman had moved out of the house, he shows her the picture of this little kid, mm-hmm. or the, uh, the, the, the kid that had the imaginary friend. Yeah. So 11 years after they moved out, he shows her this picture and says, hey, this is what I saw. And the little girl at the time said that that was her imaginary friend. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Now, obviously, another huge problem uh, was fires that would just start in the house randomly. And most of the time in the nursery. Oh, my God. In the nursery? Right. And two other previous residents reported that they had the same problem, that fires would start in that same room that they were using as their nursery. So that's... That's not cool, though. No, that's not cool at all. Now, obviously, it got worse from there. A lamp was thrown at Tony's mom. I don't know why. I don't know what she said to aggravate the spirit, but mm-hmm. they threw a lamp at her. He started to hear these scratching noises from behind his headboard. He said that it sounded like... Mice. Well, he said it like there was an animal trying to get out of the wall. Oh, my gosh. That would make me move right there. <laughs> I know it would. So one night, uh, the entity grabbed him by the wrist and yanked him out of the bed, so much so that it left red marks. Oh, my gosh. Tony said that he knew at this point that he was dealing with something way more than a little girl. This obviously was not. Why is he letting some woman beat him up like that? I don't know what kind of a wuss he was. Maybe he was taught not to hit women even in the afterlife. Oh, that could be true. Well, but anyway, he so he goes to his wife. This is fantastic. He goes to his wife and he pretty much begs her to leave the house. But she really hasn't had anything happen to her. He's the one getting the scratches and yanked out of bed and all this stuff. She hadn't had anything happen, so she don't want to leave. She's happy there. No matter what it did to her husband. So. Well, what a hoe. So there she goes. And as you could think. It's just going to feed on it, and it only gets worse from there. Tony said it got to the point to where if he was in the house, he couldn't even think a happy thought. He said all he could think was strictly that he wanted to hurt Deborah, which she wouldn't let him leave the house. I can see why he might be thinking that way. 
as Chris Rock said, <laughs> I don't condone it, but I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> he said that he became a completely different person. Oh, I'm sure. He said it made him um, tear up to know that something could actually make him feel it inside the way he felt and make him even capable of doing something like that. He says, as much as he hated to say it, he planned on slitting her throat. <gasps> That's what this thing was making him feel. And well, you know, why didn't he? Why didn't that spirit pick on her though well, a little bit? So to show her is for real. What she seems to think. Well, actually, give me a few minutes, and I'm going to get into that. Oh, okay. Because that's I've got some. I told you I had some information yeah. strictly from them. Yeah. And that's where this comes from. Okay. But in 1994, the Pickmans actually moved out of the house. Okay, they did. Finally. So yeah, 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 they they lasted every bit of a year. He'd be like, "Bitch, you coming? <laughs> I'm going." So after the Pickmans moved out, a woman and her husband and two kids moved in. They reported no paranormal activities. So all good, right? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Surprise visit from the landlord, uh, uh, Les Smith. He discovered something pretty screwed up in the basement. He had he found a pentagram in black that was painted on the floor. Oh, dude. He found an altar, a black kettle, and a black robe. Okay, did he discover that right after the Pittman's moved? No, this was after the other people had already been living there. Oh. So it turns out that, that the lady that had moved in, she was a Satan worshiper. Oh. <laughs> and she was practicing uh, sacrificial rituals Oh, in my the gosh. Which, you know, that's another reason to believe something evil yeah. was in that house because of the fact that, you mm-hmm. know, you've you've got... You know, it's just, it's just funny that somebody else moves in and they just happen to be a Satan worshiper. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's actually, a buddy to hang if with. If you actually go to that house today, there's actually like a, a black spot there. It's kind of smeared, but you can still see the faint outline of the pentagram uh, where the rituals actually took oh, place. Oh, wow. Now, many believe that the demon that was there actually still stays in the basement. So I don't know if he's like renting it out or <laughs> he's just there. Mm-hmm. But he stays in the basement, specifically in a hole that's in the very back wall. It's almost like there was a portal there. And, you know, when you bring a demon into a house or something like that, once it's brought in, that's, yeah. that's, that's the hole where it can come and go from. And there's an actual hole busted into the back wall and you can actually, it goes back a little bit. So, so spackle you, don't work? No, no, it would take a lot more than spackle. But that's what a lot of people seem to think that that's where this demon, that's where this portal to hell or whatever the case is, is actually at. Now, Deborah Pickman seems to think, as you asked, that she seems to think that the spirit had a thing for her husband. Oh. Yep. And if that's the case, that might be why she was always on him. And and that's why he would have these feelings mm-hmm. of loathe and hating her. She also thinks that it could be uh, a possession deal. She remembers one certain time where he was laying on the couch asleep. She was standing there and he just kind of raised up and looked at her. And she said in a really strange voice said, he's mine. Ooh. And then he laid back down and she said he woke up like 20 months later and he didn't remember any of that. So, so she uh, likes it rough. Right, apparently. Uh, she apparently likes it real rough because she said, Deborah said the reason that they actually moved out of the house was because one time Tony was upstairs and whatever this entity was shoved him in the back so hard that it knocked him off his feet and forward and he just barely missed the staircase. So they were in the, uh, he, he ended up falling into like the banisters and yeah. stuff like that. But she said if it had been just a little bit further over, he would have tumbled straight down the staircase and there's no telling us what would have happened. Well, don't and she know that you can, uh, if you were sweet, if she was sweet to him, they may have, might have worked out. Well, she blames this on sightings because remember I said that sightings came. She said that it was almost like, Everything intensified when sightings got there. She said, you know, a lot of people look at the stuff on the show and they said, oh, sightings had to enhance that somehow. Right. They they made it look like more than what it was. And she said that's not the case at all. She said it was almost like the spirits were putting on a show for sightings. Mm -hmm. And she said so much to the point that that's why they stopped the investigating. She she made them stop the investigations and leave. But she said everything after that was just magnified to the point where they end up having to leave. So... That's uh, that's kind of the situation on that. But who was Sally? That's the question. So we know what we heard the story of Sally was. 
But who actually was Sally? Was she a little girl that this story really happened to, or was this fictitious? There's several stories, okay? But there's no record ever of a little girl named Sally ever living or dying on that property. Wow. One story said that the doctor had an affair with an African-American maid, mm-hmm. and she had a kid. They they kind of separated. She went on her way. Mm-hmm. And she came to the house because the kid had this appendicitis. So she brings the kid there. Well, he doesn't want to have any embarrassment of taking this uh, kid to a hospital. So he decides he's going to do the surgery right there in the house. And then the, the child dies. And then the mother, so furious that they wouldn't go to the hospital to save him some grief. Oh, stupid and man. And some shame that she went to attack him and he killed her and they buried both of them in the basement. Mm. That's one story of what possibly happened. Well, shame on him. There was a Sally who actually was in the area. Now, some people say she lived there. Some people say she didn't live there, that she lived a few houses down, but in the town close Mm -hmm. to it. But she passed away in 1905 and she was an African-American woman in her Mm thirties that had like four kids. And, And she actually... Most of her kids live older than she did, so yeah. there wouldn't have been a, a younger kid. But that's that's the only Sally that's ever that's dictated ever. that was in there. And there's okay. a and she's actually buried in the cemetery that's right there close to the home. Okay. So there's some people that think that that's where the confusion came from because uh-huh. her name was Sally. That maybe that's the kid, but that actually does kind of go in line with what the medium said of there being a thirty something year old woman that could be causing it. So there could be a little girl, and there could, there could be, be that could lady, be yeah. Woman. Now, they still give tours today, and people report um, the dimming lights, being touched, uh, cold spots. One lady actually said that she was spending the night there, because they will allow uh, mm-hmm. paranormal investigators to spend the night there. She said she was spending the night, and she just happened to wake up. She was laying on her side, and she woke up, and laying right beside her was the most hideous face she had ever seen, just staring right back at her. Oh, hell no. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of freaked her out. Woo. But that is the story of the Sally House. Well, that was very interesting. <laughs> and that stupid man, he caused all this trap just because well, he didn't... Un- let's remember, as we've said on several stories that we tell, there's no proof on a lot of these. Some of this stuff can just be relished over the years. It's just like the whole broken telephone game, you tell me and I'll tell you. I mean, now we're, we're looking at 60, 70 years. Yeah. But there really wasn't a ton of stories other than the Sally story coming out of this house until the Pickmans. Mm-hmm. And so some people say that they were faking the whole thing, um, but sightings seems to think that they weren't faking any of it. And, you know, so who knows what the situation is, but... You know, they, they lived there for a year, and then they got their asses out. And, and so there's yeah. nobody living in it now, right? It's privately owned, and they pretty much use it for tours. Okay. Well, yeah. that'd be kind of cool. I'd kind of like to go see that. Yeah. So we may do that one day. Yeah. If we ever get, uh, if we ever get a situation where we're full-time podcasters, that'd be the kind of stuff we do. We'll take an occasional trip and film it for our Patreons and take a bunch yeah. of pictures and How stuff like that. How fun is that? That would be great. So that's what we're going to do. Well, good uh, job, baby. That was a good story. Thank you. You're I welcome. appreciate that. So... We're going to move on. We we had the story of the Island of the Dolls, and we got Nick's interview we want to get to. We got a couple of features we're always going to try to do, so let's do the creepy fact of the week. Okay. Good for that? I'm ready. In 1976, a film crew went out to a haunted house in a California amusement park. They wanted to shoot footage for a, uh, a pretty popular TV show. I'm not sure what the TV show was. They discovered a body hanging that they thought was a mannequin, and then upon further review... It was actually a real dead body that had been in circulation amongst carnivals and oh amusement gosh. parks for over 60 years. No way. Yeah. I would poop my pants if I seen that <laughs> and found out that was real. Yeah, because, I mean, this thing, I've seen pictures of it, so it, you really, it does look like just a good special effect. Oh, wow. Ooh. Well, let's jump into what's hopefully a non-questionable story. Island of the Dolls. Have you ever heard about this? I have not, actually. (laughs) What a shock. I don't know why you even asked me that question. (laughs) All right. So like I said earlier, just south of Mexico City, there's an island uh, right inside of a canal there. And I can't pronounce these canals, so I'm not even going to try. Okay. This is not your typical island. This island has thousands of dolls 
hanging all over the trees in various different ways, which we'll get into in a second. But these dolls came from everywhere, all walks of life, all different uh, styles. They are mutilated. Some of them are just heads. Some of them are bodies without heads. Some of them are, you name it, it's it's kind of freaky. But what you got is people with a morbid curiosity like to come here and take pictures of the, of the mutilated dolls. And like I said, many of them are hanging from nooses. Uh, others have their heads just attached with spikes. Oh, it's God. Kind of, it's kind of freaky. And obviously, like I said, this is now a huge tourist attraction, and that wasn't what it initially was designed to be. Because <laughs> there's a bunch of sickos in the world. Right. <laughs> hey, let's go to the island of creepy dolls. Now, there's a tragic story, as you would expect, behind the doll collection that actually started over 60 years ago in this island. It was started when a man named Don Julian Santana. like that? That was pretty good, babe. But he began acting kind of strange at home, and he left his wife and his kid. Just one day, just up and left. And he moves to this island in the Hokimilko Canals. So I said I wasn't going to try it, but I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. Hokimilko. He wanted to live out the rest of his life as basically a hermit. What the hell makes you just... Do that. Not a clue. She must have really been a bitch. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> to just say, I just want to go live by myself for, oh, really? for the next 60 years. Mm. So he, he got to these islands right around the 1950s, about the mid-50s. And it's said that he discovered the body of a little girl who had drowned in a canal. Well, that's sad. And it's devastated him. Yeah. Shortly after, he found a doll in the exact same area. So he assumed that that had to be that little girl's. So he decided that he was going to hang the doll up to put her spirit at ease. At least that was the intention. But over the years, I think he felt like this little girl's spirit was haunting him. So he kept hanging more dolls up. Where's he getting all these dolls? Well, that's a good question. He actually was finding these dolls in like the canal. He would find them in garbage. Just he would root around and do nothing, but that's where he spent every bit of his spare time. Oh, so he went looking for these. Yeah, he went looking for these oh, dolls. what a weirdo. But like I said, he felt like that, that this is what he had to do. But he would do anything from Barbie dolls to like regular baby dolls. Uh, like I said, he'd find them in the canals. He would find them in garbage, wherever he could find them. And he lived in this really big, small cabin. And if you go there today, the cabin is still there. And is, there's a picture of him there. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, all these little few personal belongings that he had are still there. So he didn't have much. But, like, he eventually, like, that main doll is now in that cabin. That's where he had kept it in there. The, the very first doll that started all this, he eventually moved it to the cabin. Oh. Yeah. Well, I, let me go back. So he found the little girl, did you say? Yeah, he found her dead, supposedly. Oh, so he, I guess he buried her. And I don't know what happened there. I doubt that he buried her. The, that story part of the story is unclear. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he probably turned that in as he found her. Yeah. Because, you know, that would be wrong for him to just grab a little girl that he finds dead and then bury her. Right. Well, that's true. So anyway, he lives in this little cabin. This cabin is surrounded by trees and 1,500 decaying dolls. Think 1,500? About it. 1,500. So obviously word spread about the island and, and what Santana had kind of had been doing so he started charging like a small fee for people who wanted to look around the island. I don't know, you know, I don't know how this island is all of a sudden like just his island. Well, like yeah. it doesn't belong to somebody else. Like he can just start charging a fee. But so he had to be the one that put it out there. Hey, this island is full of this. I don't know. So I mean, I guess people. It's not a. It wasn't a private island, so I guess people could just come there if they wanted to, and eventually they started seeing it and uh-huh. and word spread. But anyway, there there, there were rumors out there that the dolls would come to life. At nighttime, and you could see their heads move slightly, and you could actually hear them whispering to each other. Oh, dang. Yeah. That is a sleepover I do not want to go to. So eventually, Santana started believing that these dolls were possessed by the spirit of the girl. And in some cases, the uh, maybe other spirits of owners of other dolls that he found that it maybe had passed away. So he thought that's what was making these dolls whisper and stuff at nighttime. 
So I guess, well, I know, but I guess his wife never ever knew where he went. Nothing about that. Well, no, I'm sure they did because because uh, you're going to find out that that his family eventually wondered if there ever was a little drowned girl or if it was just a figment of his imagination. Oh. So they all knew what happened, right? And um, in 2001, here's the creepy part: as if the rest of it wasn't creepy. In 2001, his nephew actually found Santana dead. He had drowned in a canal exactly where he said he found that little girl 50 years earlier. Oh, gosh. What a sad life. Yeah. And now his nephew actually... Please don't tell me he moved to the island. He moved to the island. I don't know if he moved to the island, but he actually runs all the tours and stuff now and and does the, the upkeep. Oh, wow. Now, see, I don't know if that's just a terrible ideal or a smart idea. It's idea. And I'm you, sorry. You I know. Said, I called it the second ideal, time. And then you said idea. I know, because I knew you were going to get me on it. <laughs> because even though his mind is sick, but then he kind of started making money. Yeah. Well, I don't think he made a lot of money. It said oh. he took like little small donations. And yeah. what was he using money for? Well, seriously, what was he doing there? Yeah. For? And then, well, they said that some people at one point in time, they were trading. I guess he had was doing like gardening and stuff there and growing stuff. So people would bring him dolls. In exchange, in exchange to get like a bartering system for like vegetables and stuff like that that he was growing. He, he apparently grew pumpkins was one of the things that he grew. Oh, wow. That's yeah, random. That's, yeah, that's what I kind of thought too. But he grew pumpkins and stuff like that. And so people would bring him dolls in exchange for that stuff. So he wouldn't exactly get rich off of it by any means. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess people actually then could drive to the island. They didn't have to take a boat. No, to you got to take a ferry to get there. Oh, you do? Yeah. You got to take a ferry. You park and take a ferry over. Oh, see, I'd be so scared. Well, you've never been on a ferry before? No, I mean, if you got on the <laughs> island and then you missed your ferry and then you had to be stuck there with that crazy person. But he's dead now. Well, he wasn't back then. Oh. Hmm. He might have said, you know what? These doll babies ain't cutting it no more. And then you get over there and he just cuts your head off and hangs it up in the tree. That's fantastic. Okay. So well, what I we're going to do. Well, I mean, <laughs> seriously. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, it's a terrible idea. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't about? know. I'm del- I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, you know what? I'm just gonna say this. It was a beautiful weekend, and it's just perfect weather. Yeah, except for all the people listening in Florida. That's getting well, I'm, by a I was right just now. getting ready to say, but even though we, I know we had the perfect weather, but I really only could think about you guys in Florida. And I was, it sounds stupid to say, I almost felt guilty for having perfect weather, knowing you guys are going through all that down there. But, you know, I don't know. These, this stuff in this world's been on my mind a lot lately. So I don't know. We're just, everybody just love one another. And if you pray, just pray. And um, hopefully everybody comes out of this whole situation in good shape. Yep. Hopefully there's not as much damage as what they're initially calling for. Yeah, I know. But. Let's um let's talk about next week's show for a little bit. Okay. And rarely do I know what next week's show is ahead of time. Oh, but you I, also you always know. <laughs> I'm the one that don't know. Next week's show, I think, is going to be cool because we've had people say, "Hey, will you do a show on the Valeska House axe murders, or will you do a show on the New Orleans um, axe murder, axe murder of New Orleans?" and those stories are cool, and I've looked at them. They've been done to death, so to speak. What I'm going to do is we're going to tell you about a stretch of axe murders that took place over almost 50 years that I think could all be related hmm. from all over the country. And what if I told you they include the Velisca axe murders? Mm-hmm. and the Axeman of New Orleans. I'm going to make a case that all of those are connected well. and could be the same person. Get on with your so bad self, Sherlock. Next, that's what next week's show is. Okay. Um, thank you guys so much. Remember, Scarefest at the end of the month. I'm yeah, going to keep playing it because it's getting so come close. On, come on and see us. Also, and we're going to have T-shirts dirt cheap there. They're going to be like 20 bucks, which are the same ones that are 25 on uh, online. So... We might even actually do a couple for 15. So we'll have t-shirts for a little bit cheaper there if you want to come out. Uh, pictures and stuff. We're not charging for pictures like people up there are if you want to get pictures with us. Yeah, because we're not like movie yeah. stars or anything. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I wouldn't try <laughs> to say that. I'm trying to make it like we were actually uh, above that. But, yeah. No, we're not, more, man. More you or know. less, nobody would pay for our picture. 
But you gotta let me check the picture you take before you post it. So just saying. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so um, without further ado, I told you that we had a special interview. Yeah. Uh, this is from Nick Hall. This was very touching. And um, I saved it for last because I felt like that um, it needed to be something we just closed on. So we will see you guys next week. Love each other. Help each other. Yes, please. And uh, thank you guys for everything you do, in case we haven't said it recently. You mean the world to us. Yeah, you do. We love you guys. Y'all take care of each other. All right, we've got a special guest on the phone, Mr. Nick Hall. Uh, most of you will remember the unfortunate story uh, of Nick and his family that had a uh, horrible car accident. And he unfortunately lost his daughter, Brianna, uh, in the accident. And his uh, wife, Katie, and other daughter, Michaela, had some uh, very critical injuries, which uh, they're actually healing from now, thank God. But we wanted to welcome Nick on the show because Nick wanted to say some some things to you guys. And uh, that's the good thing about our show is I think we are family. We preach family. And I think uh, this is a testament to actually putting those words into action. So, uh, Nick, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So... I know we were talking a little bit earlier, and um, I, I can't imagine what the last month and a half has been like for you guys. Uh, it's I, been pure. I, go ahead. I said it's been pure hail. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm a hundred percent. I I can't even. I'm at a loss for words, even thinking about what you guys have had to go through. Give us a little bit of an update on how the family's doing right now. I know there's been a lot of uh, medical attention. Uh, with with your wife and daughter, give us a little bit of an update on how they're doing right now. Everybody's home and out of the hospital. Um, Michaela got to come home. To Saturday will make two weeks. Um, we're still trying to transition her back into school slowly. You know, she still is having some major deficits due to the brain injury, but she's a trooper and she's fighting through it. Katie's doing well. Um, she's improving every day. Um, we've moved since the accident. We actually live in Lexington now. Um, and our little boy, he had been staying with my parents because it was just too hard to try to take care of both of them at the same time. And luckily I had my parents, so they were there to help. Uh, um, but he's down here with us now and, uh, he's really liking it and it's making her feel better to have him here with us too. So you can probably hear him yelling in the background. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good sound right now. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. To hear, just to hear him laugh is, you know, on, on the bad days, it really helps. Nick, I, I know we had an outpouring of support on our end. Uh, we had, you know, people writing us on all of our social media and, and they were asking for updates and I was trying my best to keep them updated from the updates I was getting from you. Um, I know you wanted to say some things about some of the um, uh, comments and stuff that you received also. Yeah, I can't, um, I can't even begin to thank everybody, you know, you and Tracy, especially, and all the listeners from all around the world um, that have reached out to both me and Katie. Um, you know, when, when you look on your Facebook messenger and you get a message from somebody from Ghana, in Africa, you know, think, well, how does this person even know that we exist, let alone what happened? And it has to be through the show. That's the only way, you know, that we can figure out that that person would even know, you know, we existed on this planet. Um, and to be able to take such a big world and make it so tight-knit and make it a community um, and make it a community of people that actually care about one another you know that's a major accomplishment on your all's part well we, but we, i just want to thank everybody from the bottoms of our hearts i want to thank them for you know all the well wishes and good thoughts and prayers that have uh, been sent out on our behalf well I, I know i speak for everybody else uh that's listening that says, you know, buddy, we love you. We're with you and your family in every way, shape, or form. 
And we, we want nothing but for you guys to heal as good as you can heal and, and become uh, as tight a family unit as you can become. Amen. And it, it has, I'm sorry, Tracy. No, you're it has not, honey. Brought, um, it has brought Katie and I, you know, a lot closer. Um, you know, times like this, they either pull you together or they drive you apart. Um, and luckily, you know, we're on the positive side of that equation, you know, where it has made our marriage and our relationship um, and even our reliance on one another, you know, it's improved it so much. Um, and I know there's times that if it wasn't for Katie, um, I wouldn't have made it, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, you know, she needed me here and Jackson and Michaela and Caitlin, my oldest daughter, they all needed me here. You know, it could have been a very different outcome. Um, cause there's not a day goes by that I don't miss Brianna and, you know, just, the simplest little thing, seeing a little blonde headed girl running through the apartment complex or, you know, anything just reminds you of her and it, it's hard. But, you know, we're, we're taking it one day at a time and just doing the best we can. And I think that's all anybody could ever hope for in that situation is just to be able to just string together some good days, get some wins and, and just make, make it a habit. For a good second to a good minute, you know, to maybe a good hour. Um, it doesn't go a lot farther than that, you know, without some aspect of it creeping into your mind. But um, Jackson being here is definitely a good distraction. You know, he keeps us on our toes. He's four and he's a little boy through and through. And he doesn't stop from the time his eyes open to the time they close. Nick, I'm I'm so glad that you came on, and I know this has got to be tough to talk about. I'm I'm sure you've tried to stay away from every situation you can to avoid, you know, unpleasant thoughts, and and I would be in the exact same boat. The one thing I will say is is you know on this show we we've talked a lot about depression, we've talked a lot about people being in tough spots, and and just trying to get through to that next day, and and I think people hearing you and your story, and actually. You know, hearing that, you know, sometimes you just have to survive. And I think that's that, what, that's what you're a testament to. And I think this is going to be good for a lot of our listeners to hear how you guys are coping with the situation. And that's what we, you know, that's what we've said pretty much from moment one is that as long as there's some good comes out of this, you know, it's still horrible and it still hurts. And, you know, there's days that, I don't think that I can even get out of the bed to put one foot in front of the other. Um, but if our baby dying can improve the world in some small, even small way, then it wasn't for nothing. You know, and that's our thing is we want to make sure that she didn't die for no reason. That there's some good that comes out of the tragedy. Well. Like I said before, brother, we're with you a hundred percent. I know everybody out there listening is pulling for you and just know that you got the backing of, of thousands of people out there. Uh, whether you know who they are, whether you don't know who they are, there's a lot of people that have you in their mind. Uh, you and your entire family. Yeah. We love you guys. And we love you all. And if it wasn't for y'all giving me a laugh every now and then, you know, this would have been a lot darker time. So mm-hmm. I appreciate it also. It's no problem. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming on and sharing your story, brother, and nothing but pleasant thoughts for your future. Thank you.